0: So we're in the book of Luke, and we're doing a kind of a mini-series from it on prayer, going through the Lord's Prayer. And this issue of forgiveness, when we were covering verse 4, is so huge that um, I wanted to do a series within a series. Within a series? So, and it's going to be a short one, though. So I just wanted to talk about this topic of forgiveness uh, this week using the same text and a lot of it had to do with um, just my, my counseling load this past week and what's been happening at the church and people talking about various issues that are going on in their life that uh, I, I kind of wanted to address it uh, once again. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. And we ask God for the ability to forgive others, that you would grant us an ability to do that. Some of our wounds are really, really deep, and to rethink and to revisit those past hurts is painful. Yet, Lord, to completely heal and to truly forgive, Lord, we, we ask that we would be able to go in those places in strength and with encouragement and support that our church would be able to help people to do that and that they wouldn't have to travel that alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a look back at verse 3 really quickly. Jesus taught us to pray, give us each day our daily bread. And so we know that Jesus is keenly aware of our our physical needs, of, of our daily needs of life, our biological needs. And Jesus is also keenly aware of our spiritual needs, and so he addresses this next topic of forgiveness in the forgiveness of sins. And so we made reference to Leviticus 16 when uh, Aaron uh, laid both hands on, on the head of a male goat as the scapegoat confessed all the iniquities of Israel upon the head of that goat and all the transgressions, all the sins, and then that goat was to be sent away into, into the wilderness. Now John the Baptist recognized the that picture in Leviticus 16. He also recognized something else in Jesus. So that in John chapter 1 verse 29 he said this about Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so you see these parallels of this forgiveness of sins where Leviticus 16 there was this putting the all, all your sins and iniquities on the head of a and that goes away and then John the Baptist is making reference to Jesus as the Lamb of God and putting the sins on the Lamb of God and Jesus taking the sins there. So Jesus knew exactly what his mission was. In Luke chapter 9, verse 22, he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And after his death and resurrection, he reminded his disciples what his life and death was about. It's in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And so here's the genesis of the spread of Christianity. And so you see that the following Jesus is more than just following a good morality or following good ethics. It's it's more than that. It's more than doing good things. Following Jesus is is for those of us who at times, sometimes, recognize how truly weak and unworthy and sinful we truly are. And this isn't just so that we can, oh, let's beat ourselves up and and let's self-deprecate and all this kind of stuff. What this is recognizing is a reality. A reality that we have a hope in God and who, who has provided to us a Savior, Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus is so loving. While, while many other philosophies and religions and cultures believe in earning our way to God or earning this this state of being or, or living, in Christianity, God came to us. Jesus came to us. And it's not about our way earning to God. It's, it's, it's God providing us a way, escorting us a way. And so we have this very loving God And when we look at the text in Luke chapter 11, verse 4, it reads, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do any of you ever wonder why we have to continually pray for the forgiveness of sins? Because wouldn't you think that, well, you know, once I did it, then I'm done. Like, because he forgave my sins, so I'm done. So why do we have to keep doing that? Well, because the Bible does make reference to sin being forgiven Once And we've prayed that in faith, believing Jesus Christ cleansing us from our sins. So, So once we've prayed for that forgiveness of sins, isn't it kind of odd that we have to keep praying that if he already did that? Well, it's not that we become sinless after we prayed the prayer. Right? Anybody? Anybody? What is rid of is the everlasting consequences of sin when we pray that prayer. Right? We're saved from the everlasting penalties of sin. It doesn't mean that we don't sin, though. Right? That doesn't come until we're with God in heaven. Until then, we are saved from the everlasting punishment, the consequences of sin. So I remember my dad having this conversation with one of the elders. That I grew up in this Chinese church. And I remember sitting there after our service and having lunch. Services for me were long. Like we started at eight and we ended at four, and we had like Bible study and we had church service and then we had lunch and then we had another Bible study thing and then we went home. It was all day. Anyway, we're having lunch and my dad's having this conversation with this elder there, and this elder is saying like, "Oh, once we once we ask for God for forgiveness, we're 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 done. You know, we're we're not sin sinners anymore." And my dad said, "Really?" He's like where's your wife because he wanted to talk to her because she's going to let him in on the truth right she says where's your wife and, and he was like why do you want to talk to my wife and he was like because she'll tell me that you are a sinner and he was like oh no and he started defending well anyway when we sin it doesn't mean that we lose our salvation there are some thoughts that that's there too it's not like we're in this continual flux of enter heaven, no, yes, no, yes, no. Like it's not it's not like that, right? We're we're not in this kind of flux of getting in and getting out. What if you were like driving on the road and and you just had road rage at that time and you hit a semi or something and you're gone? But you've been a Christian your your whole life and and you've prayed for the forgiveness of sins and you just had this two second lapse of judgment that you went into this anger state that was so bad are you are you in hell you have the promise jesus died for that penalty of sin it's not like you're in this flux of like i i'm in heaven i'm not i'm in heaven i'm not what it's about it's it's about a relationship that when you pray in faith for the salvation from your sins, believing that Jesus died for those sins, it's about a relationship with Jesus. It's not this second by second sin analysis that determines the outcome of your life. Right? It's this relationship that is there. What is hurt by your sin is the delight and pleasure within that relationship. Right? So, when you guys were teenagers, did any of you break curfew? Did any? Yeah? No? No one? Perfect? Perfect? When I was growing up, I didn't have a curfew as long as I got straight A's. But once I did, I had a curfew. And the more grades that I wasn't supposed to get, the more hours that I lost. But anyway, if not, I didn't have a curfew. My parents didn't care if I came back at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. It's like, you get straight A's, I don't care when you get back. It was the greatest thing. I'm not saying that to, to do that for your kids, though. I'm, I'm just saying that that's what it was for me. You see how messed up? so don't do that we're a church full of sinners right we're, we're all sinners and we're all in this thing together but when you broke curfew it didn't break you from your relationship with your parents did it your parents were still your parents they, they were still your mom and dad. they didn't disown you for breaking that curfew right now if they did let's meet and we can talk about those things because that, that's that's a big hurt if they if they disowned you for something like that but but typically that doesn't happen typically what happens is that the delight and the pleasure within that relationship is negatively impacted right that that the relationship is not severed but the the pleasure in that relationship is kind of rocky so that when you wake up the next morning or you probably didn't wake up the next morning because you broke curfew but whenever you see your parents again There's this dark cloud hovering the thing where it's just like, it's not the same. But the relationship is not broken. What needs to happen is a restoration, a a forgiveness, apologies need to be exchanged. And and then consequences need to be had for for doing that thing that that you, you broke that curfew. And so you have to have these discussions and all this kind of stuff needs to take place with your parents. But the relationship isn't severed. And so that's our relationship with God. Right? Well, we we sin, but our relationship is not severed. It's just this dark cloud hanging over it and we have some stuff to do to make that good again. So we don't sin ourselves out of a relationship with God. But the but we sin ourselves into these messy relationships within that relationship with our heavenly Father. So we're not disowned by God. The relationship has been hurt. And sometimes even severely hurt, but it's not irreparable. And the longer we, we, we go without this repentance, this forgiveness, what happens with your parents? The longer you just kind of let it go. Right? It, th- something kind of mistrust develops. There, There's this wondering of like, oh, uh, what's going to happen and all this kind of stuff. And, the, and, and you get distanced distant and and the intimacy is is stretched and and you just don't know each other as well and and then you just kind of build upon these type of things and so less delightful less pleasurable more uncomfortable it's kind of like with god you have this issue there and and you just don't deal with it with god and and you don't know how to get back it's like how do i how do i bring that up like I, i it's been so long let's just forget about it let's just move on but it doesn't work that way. Some strain has happened that there needs to be some, some reconciling there. So it, it is expected when you step out into life that your feet are going to get dirty, right? It, it's, your feet are going to get dirty. And, and one day you go out with these nice, clean-smelling feet. And after a while, you're, you come back with your stinky feet. That, that's what happens in life, your stinky feet. And sometimes you step in stuff you don't want to step in. And that stuff is really stinky and sticky and stuff, right? It's just stuff. And, and so, so we have to continually wash them, right? We have to continually wash them like we do the repentance of sins. It's this continual repentance, this continuous repentance. It's like Peter in John chapter 13. Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. He didn't want want the the pedicure. So Jesus said in verse 8, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Then Peter said, um, Jesus, not just the pedicure, but the mani-pedi and the facial as well. But what's the point of washing? What's the point of washing? It's that unless we come to Jesus and have been washed by him in repentance for the forgiveness of sins, we have no part in him. We have no pardon. So, living life in this world, we are bound to get dirty. We're bound to get stinky, and sometimes we step in really deep, stinky stuff. And it's essential for us to enter into this continual cleansing, continuous repentance. Ever feel far from God? Ever feel He's really far? Like you're, I, I, I talk and you're not there, and. You're there, but I don't know where, and you're just really distant. When's the last time you studied your Bible? And even in studying that, you feel far. Like, I'm reading this stuff, and it's just not... And ever put on a front and presented to be someone who you aren't? Right? Just just to make it seem like, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Or have you ever treated someone in a way that you wouldn't want to be treated? Ever struggle with being selfish? How often do you waste your time and your resources on things? And when was the last time your heart was not in a good place? How content are you? See, our feet are dirty. Right? We had all this stuff going on. They're just dirty feet, and some of us are trekking in just kind of like light dust right now. Things are okay; you just kind of wipe them off. It's not a big deal. But some of us are tracking in doo doo, some messy stuff. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. First John chapter one verses eight through ten. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The confession of sin. We're not forgiven until we have confessed our sins, and and without that, there also needs to be a repentance, right? Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. Repent. Therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. We need this continuous cleansing. We need this continual confession. We need this routine repentance. And we will receive faithfully the forgiveness of sins from God. Now, it's not something that we earn, right? This is not something that we kind of do something and we earn this thing it's God's amazing grace that he's extended this forgiveness to us and and, and, and it's like driving through a toll booth right have you guys ever experienced when, when you drive through a toll booth and the person in front of you paid for you no oh, sorry this has happened to me several times where a total stranger in front of me paid for my toll and I'm, I was just like wow that's cool. That's really cool. But it hasn't happened in quite a while since they raised the, the prices. But anyway. <laughs> even if someone has paid the toll for you, you still have to put an effort to accept that gift and put forth the effort to drive across the bridge on the other side, right? Even if someone's paid for you, don't... We're not quite Star Trek yet. We're just goes zing and you're over there. You have to put forth an effort, right? You have to talk to the guy and the guy says like oh the guy paid for you You have to do this thing you have to press on the gas and drive across the bridge you have to do stuff you have to dodge other people that are coming around you have to be aware of your surroundings. you have to do stuff. you have to put an effort to get across that's kind of how it is with jesus in that he, he paid the price but we still have to make a decision to accept that gift and cross over he paid it for everybody Right? The toll's paid. It's just, are you, are you coming? Are you going to accept that gift and come over and forgive us our sins? Are you forgiven? Now the second part of that, verse 4, For we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Forgiveness from God is tied to our own forgiveness towards others. Right, So, so we are to be forgiving as forgiven people. And it's not that that we earn God's forgiveness by forgiving people. It's not that either. We don't earn that. He has given that to us by grace. It's His gift. But the evidence that we are forgiven by God is that we have the spirit of forgiveness toward those who have sinned against us. That, that's, that's part of who who we are. Now, if you don't have that spirit of forgiveness within you, towards everyone who's indebted towards you then then you have to question if you've really received the forgiveness of sins from God Peter asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 verse 21 Lord how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him As many as 7 times Jesus said to him I do not say to you 7 times but 70 times 7 One of my uh, mentors he has three three sons and a daughter, but his the third son takes this verse literally so that when his brothers sin against him, he has a log and he's keeping track. And he keeps track of all this thing. And And so his, his he told his father, as soon as I'm at 491, I'm done with those brothers. I don't have to forgive them anymore. And so there's this running joke. He has this pad that every time his brother wrongs him, he's like, okay, that brother wronged me, this brother wronged me. So he has this like, uh, what do you call the spiral notebook things? It's hilarious. He also used to be a, the red power ranger out in like carnivals and stuff. But he looked more like Santa Claus because he's kind of round. But anyway, who has sinned against you? Who has sinned against you? Someone at church, someone in your family, someone at your job, your, your friends. And the number isn't 490. The number is not four. This is Jesus telling us that it's 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 it's, you don't really keep track of it. It's a lot. Like you just do it, right? That's what Jesus is telling us in the story in Matthew 18. Well, he goes on to say in Matthew 18 verses 23 through 25. Let me read that for you. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this is a very large number in that day. It's basically saying it's it's a lifetime of debt. You couldn't pay it off in a lifetime. There's no way to pay this amount. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. He couldn't. This is just kind of like a guy so desperate that he's going to say anything, right? Just get me out of this. But but this is an impossible debt to repay. He cannot pay this. Kind of like the sin we have. We can't pay it. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of this debt. So this is the only way for him to get his debt cleared, is for that master to forgive him that debt. This is a huge debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. You hear the similar plea that he had with his master? Except this one, he could probably really repay. This is not a big deal. 100 denarii, it's not a big deal. It's like going to the ATM, right? So he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Much smaller debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you and all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had that mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt, which he won't be able to pay. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Sobering words, aren't they? Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us god has forgiven us so much can we really hold that bitterness and that unforgiveness and that resentment and that contempt against someone and now i I realize that not all sins against us are small not all the pain that we're bearing is easily just kind of let go of that that those wounds are really deep and they're painful and they're really bad And so some of you have been cheated, some of you have been abused, some of you have been harmed, uh, ill-treated very badly. And I don't want to minimize what you have endured in your life. Some of you guys have some really, really painful wounds and stories. In light of the debt that we could never repay on our own, that's sin debt. The cleansing of our sins, the forgiveness of our sins, receiving that forgiveness—where does your debt rank in that? And I'm not meaning to minimalize it. I'm just saying, in the grand scheme of what God has forgiven you, in something that you cannot repay, where where does that sit? Where where does that wrong against you lie in that spectrum? Now, I'm convinced that the unforgiveness towards people is a major culprit as to why blessings are withheld from us. I I wholeheartedly believe that. That Without without the exercise of forgiveness, we, we can't fully understand the grace and the mercy of God's forgiveness towards us. And this is something that I can personally attest to. I think a lot of you guys know the story between my relationship with my father and I. We didn't talk for many years. And and so I, I, I was basically on my own since a teenager and provided for myself. And then I moved out, and I was on my own. And I didn't talk to him for over eight years at all. And then I just got the, the telephone call from him, and he's calling me up, and he asked me to move back home. I've been out of the house for almost a decade, and we haven't talked. What am I doing I'm not going to go home. And the Lord really poked me in my heart. And he gave me verses about honoring my father and mother. Right? Obeying my parents and the Lord for this is right. And, and, and these things started coming in me. And what I really, really wanted to do when he called me was say, like, you deserve that. Right? When he said, you know what? If, if you don't move back and help me financially, I'm going to be out in the streets. I'm going to be homeless. I can't afford to be here on my own. And what I really wanted to do was say, you deserve it. That's what I really wanted to do. I don't know what held me back, but... I, well, the Holy Spirit. And what came out of my mouth, I don't even know what I said... But I, it was something to the effect of, I'll pray about that. And then I hung up. And then I was mad at myself. Like, you had an awesome opportunity to rub it in his face. And you just, I'll pray about it. And like, come on, you wimp. But then that that started this whole journey of forgiveness. Right? That that. We, we talked, and, and, and I prayed about it, and I had a bunch of people around me. I had a bunch of my mentors and my church and my pastor and stuff, and we, we just started praying and talking about these things, and and it was just leading me to, to move back home. I moved into a one-bedroom bunk with my dad. I was on the bottom bunk, and he was on the top. And our interns think that they have their rooms. Our room was smaller than their rooms, and it was two of us sharing that. And so that's how it was. It was just a small little dinky little house. And I went, and I'm, I'm a grown man in investment management, living with my dad on the bottom bunk. And I was like, God, are you kidding me? And he in, and my commute increased by like four times by moving over to his place. I, I, this is L.A. My commute used to be 20 minutes. It's an hour and a half now from me moving back there. Like this is insane, but it was it was beautiful. My my dad started saying, "Uh, uh you, you want dinner?" And and I'd be I'd be working and I'd work long hours and and he'd call me up. He'd say, "Hey, you want dinner?" And I, and, and I was like, Are you, "I don't want to eat with you. Are you kidding me?" And again, it's one of those things I want to tell him off. Like, what you've never fed me before? What do you want to feed me now? And all this kind of stuff. But then but then, God was working on me and he was like, say yes. Yes. <laughs> so instead of working late, I'd drive the hour and a half back home. And instead of working late to wait till the traffic died and then go home, I'd be in traffic just like cursing under my breath. I'm wasting time. I could be working right now. I'm just sitting in this traffic and breathing in this heavy smog. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch Chinese television news with my dad while eating dinner because we're not eating around a table. We're just eating in front of a TV. And we're not even talking. He's like, here's your food, here's my food, and and we're just eating and stuff, and um the but the commercials would happen. And then during commercial breaks we'd talk. And then I'd ask him questions like what happened between you and mom? What happened between us? Like, why were you so distant? Why, why did you not go to any of my stuff? Like, why, why didn't you show up to anything? And, and, it tried, and then we started talking, and all this stuff happened. And eventually, um, I was I was training in Kung Fu for, for many years with my pastor. And, and he came up to me, and he said, Albert, you need to go to pastoral school. And I was like, I don't feel called. I don't want to go to pastoral school. I just want to be a ninja. And so... And, and so we were doing this, all this stuff. And, and he was like, no, you need to go. And I respected him so much that he was my Samuel. Right? He was my Samuel in, in kind of like showing me, like, go, go do this thing. And, and so I did, and I did it really reluctantly. I, I didn't want to go to class. I mean, I worked all day, and then classes were at night, and then we'd have to serve all day Sunday. I'm talking about a 12-acre piece of land. And on this 12-acre piece of land, there's all this brush, right, during the summers. We had to clear all that brush. The sanctuary alone, if I were to vacuum that thing alone, took me over six hours to vacuum that sanctuary. So what, like, the interns, like, what, no sob stories for me. Like, it, it doesn't work. Like, oh we clean Dude, I'm gonna send you over there and you can clean out brush with rattlesnakes in it, right? So it's all this stuff. And then the Lord just was working in my heart about all these things and and then ministry opened up for me. And and it was kind of through that that I can look back in my life now that you know what, it was that forgiveness issue where the Lord kind of opened all this stuff up for me. Because back in high school I felt like I was called to ministry. But it was just it just never clicked, it never came into fruition. Like there was this issue of unforgiveness towards my father that it was just it never was dealt with. And then through college I was doing all these mission trips and stuff like that, and I was feeling called to missions and things like that, but it, nothing ever really happened. And so I looked back at it and I was like, that I, I think the Lord was waiting for me to do this. And when that happened, like it just the floodgates opened. And he was waking me up like at 3 in the morning to study. And I would be wide awake, and I would study for hours before I even went to work. And, and, and just listening to sermons and reading the Bible and doing all this stuff, like it was just everything was coming to life for me, and he was equipping me during that time. And, and, and so it was, it was a beautiful time. I, I miss those times, but it was a rough time. I really didn't want to hang out with him. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 37. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Ephesians 4, verses 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. We forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. He forgave us completely, without reservation, and he does this continuously. And it's through our forgiveness of others that exposes the fact that we have indeed received the forgiveness of sins from God. James chapter 1 verse 22 tells us, but but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you want to severely hurt yourself spiritually, harbor unforgiveness. Harbor unforgiveness. If you want to just kill yourself spiritually, that's what you can do. Spiritual suicide, don't forgive. You can guarantee that you will be spiritually ineffective by not forgiving others. And it's only possible for you and for me to to have a relationship with God because of His forgiveness. And and so, are we like our Heavenly Father? Are, are, are we like Him? Now, I, I've, I've told you that I received a ton of questions regarding forgiveness this past week. And, and one of those is, how do I forgive if I don't feel like forgiving or don't feel forgiveness? Like, you don't feel it. How, how do you overcome that? Because the, they wonder... You know, isn't that hypocritical? That I would just say something or whatever, but I don't really mean it or I don't really feel it? It's because if I don't feel it, then how do I really forgive? Good question. I think we have to first take a look at it as a promise. That it's a promise. Right? That, that the posture... And the attitude of forgiveness was extended to us by God, and we are promised that to its completion of uh, forgiveness through Jesus Christ, that we are f- totally forgiven. And so, from that promise we've received from God, we're instructed to be like our Heavenly Father, to hold a similar attitude and a similar posture, right? That we are ready to forgive. Remember that story of the prodigal son? That father's ready. He's holding the posture that any, at any time that that son comes back, he's ready. Now, it might not click for us emotionally or, or feeling-wise, but, but let's keep the promise of forgiveness on our radar. For some of us, that radar is way out there. It's way out there because we're so deeply wounded. For some of us, it's just like a trivial thing, and it's just like a blip. It's right here, right? But, but keep it in your radar, Even if it's far, keep it on the horizon. A promise stands regardless of feeling. Right? A promise stands regardless of feeling. We can keep promises regardless of how we feel. I promise my daughters that we'll go on a bike ride when I come home from work. This was a few weeks ago. I promise them that I'll I'll take them on a bike ride after I get home from work. Now... Going on a bike ride with them takes a lot of effort. There's 3 of them. One of them can't ride one yet, so I have to I have to do that. I have to push the thing, right? So, in the I'm in the middle of working and I need to stop what I'm doing when I have a lot more to do, but I have to stop what I'm doing. So, I this is this is what I need this is what goes through my head. I need to get back before it gets dark because I can't take them on a bike ride once it gets dark. So I need to get back, and then I need to get their bikes out of the garage. I need to make sure there's air in them, that they're okay. I need to make sure everything's tight and the seats are tight, that they're not going to fall off. I need to get their helmets on. I need to fasten those on and make sure they fit snug. Look at if they're dressed appropriately. Because right? I want them to wear long pants, not short pants when they're biking and things like that. And, and I have to make sure everyone's gone potty so that once we get out the driveway, they're like, oh, I need to go bathroom. Oh. So I have to do all that and change the baby's diaper and do those things. And I need to do all of that before dinner is served. Right, So my wife's cooking dinner and stuff so that we don't ruin the bedtime routine of bathing and Bible stories and prayers and all this kind of stuff that we do our, our routine. So a lot of effort for a bike ride. It's just a bike ride. I do not feel like it. I do not feel like it at all. But I promised. I promised. So there are things that hold true even if I do not feel a certain way. I don't feel like that. There are these values and these beliefs that are true as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I desire to foster those things even though emotionally I feel different about them. That those are promises. That there are these attributes and characteristics of God that are to be emulated. And those are promises. So those truths are like things like in James chapter 5 verse 12. To let my yes be yes and my no be no. I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter in that case. I promise. My yes is to be yes and my no is to be no. And so these attributes and characteristics of our Heavenly Father, like being trustworthy, loving, caring, these types of things that shape my values to work on things like building trust and fostering and nurturing their hearts and things like that. All these things play into that. So the promise is made and it stands regardless of feeling. Marriage? When you, when you guys make that marriage vow, you do not always feel like being in that marriage. I haven't reached that point yet. I'm still kind of a newlywed. I'm only approaching eight years. Right? So it's, it's not there yet. Just have, I can't speak for my wife, but just for me. But, but you've made that promise. It stands regardless of feeling. Right? It stands regardless of feeling. That the promise of forgiveness still stands even if the feelings aren't there. So as followers of Jesus, we're, we're committed to forgiveness. That's, that's the character of our Heavenly Father. He has passed that on to us as His children. That's passed on to us. So sure, we still have to make a choice to forgive, and there's this process of forgiveness to be fully reached, right? You, if you've been hurt really deeply, it's not like you just flip a switch and like, okay, all forgiven. I'm not saying that. In fact, that can be unhealthy, that you're not being honest with yourself. That, that someone comes up to you and they've they've they 've deeply hurt you, and they just say oh i 'm sorry," and you just say like "Okay, I forgive you," and then that 's it. no, let them have it really let them express yourself how hurt you, they made you do it tactfully i' mean, don't attack them and you know use these words that are not supposed to come out of persons people 's mouths, but do it in a, in a way that, that, that you can express yourself, that, that you can be honest with yourself, that that it's that this is this is how you made me feel. That there's this process, forgiveness of forgiveness to to get there. But in light of this promise, where is our heart? Are we facing this direction, this posture, this having this attitude? And it's not like you flip a switch and just say like, "Oh, forgiveness, that's it. I'm done." You're facing this way. It's on your radar screen. Sometimes it's a deep deep hurt, but you're facing this way, you're ready, you're you're ready to go this way. So it's not hypocritical to share with someone forgiveness and keeping that promise even if you don't feel like it. What it is is when you when they come to you and and they say, "Will you forgive me? I'm sorry." And you just say, "Yeah." You're lying. You're lying. Be honest about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work on forgiveness. That, that was That's something as a Christian that I'm to hold that posture and that attitude. But I'm really angry at you. A spouse that cheats on the other spouse, you think that that switch flips on just like that? Like, oh, I, I've been cheating on you. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I forgive you. Is it really that simple? Or, or on the streets here, when, when, when somebody takes the life of somebody else's kid, you think those parents that just lost their child through that gang violence or that bad drug deal or whatever, and you come to them and you say, look, I'm sorry for killing your kid, that they're just like, okay, thanks, I forgive you. You think it's that easy? It doesn't mean that you're ready to extend forgiveness and that all is forgotten and that, yeah, I'm done. I'm supposed to say, I'm supposed to forgive people. That's it. So, so even if you've hurt me so deeply and you say that, okay, that's it. I'm fine. All forgotten. Uh, that My child that I raised for 18 years, it's okay. It's all done. Let's be best friends. Really? What it means is that we're in the battle between love and hate between tenderness and hard-heartedness, between kindness and malice, between embrace and revenge, between compassion and coldness. And what we do is we face toward the things of God. That we are not facing towards this. I'm plotting. I'm going to plot to kill him. I'm going to plot to hurt him. That we are facing this way. We're facing in the direction of forgiveness we're going to be working on that. Forgiveness is more than just knowing the promise though. right? It's, it's holding true to being that promise. That you're not going to be malicious. That you're going to be working on being tender hearted. That you're going to be working on being kind. To live out that promise. That even though we don't feel forgiveness or even want, for, want to forgive. That we choose God. That we choose the things of God. And in looking to God, we receive healing, right? In that time, in that process. And some of those wounds are deeper than others, and they require more time and for that forgiveness to kind of complete its cycle. And at those times of deep wounds, it's important to, to continue facing our healer, to, to continue facing God, to continue choosing to face the face of the forgiveness of God. So he continues on healing us. Now I've shared some on, on, on giving forgiveness, but what about receiving forgiveness? Because both of those things are hard, aren't they? Receiving forgiveness is tough, too. To, to say, forgive me, means that you did something wrong. Right? Or to say, I forgive you. Those are both difficult things to say, but they're both really important. Now, let's let's not get in such a a place of pride in our lives that we can't say those things. Now, some of you have to do both. And it's toward yourself. That you need to extend forgiveness to yourself, and you need to receive forgiveness for yourself. Some of you are so hard on yourself. You don't give yourself a break. And I'm included in this. I'm I'm not saying that you're like this and I'm not. I'm like this too. How about giving yourself some grace? How about receiving for yourself some grace? Now, when you go out and seek forgiveness or you give forgiveness, there are some things to keep in mind. Just some practical things to keep in mind because there's some stuff that have happened that I just want to address. Now, in exchange of forgiveness, it's important that In that exchange, you keep it within certain boundaries. You keep it within certain boundaries. The boundaries of forgiveness don't have to go any further than where the offense happened. Right? You don't have to go to every single person you've had a bad thought about and ask for forgiveness. You're going to freak them out. Right? For example, I had this guy come up to me and he, he... he came up to tell me that he was mad at me five years ago and has been mad at me for five years. So for every day of his life, he's been mad at me because of things that I did and things that I didn't do. I had no idea. It was all in his head. Right? So why does why does that have to be brought up to me? It's not my issue. That's his issue. He could keep it in his head. He has to deal with that with God. Why does that have to come up to me? And, and, it's, and it's kind of weird that way. When we're, we're, when we're mad at somebody, someone is taking free rent in our head. I had no idea I'm taking rent space in his head. It was free. I controlled him for free. I was making him mad. Things like that. And a lot of times that's us. We're mad at somebody or whatever with somebody. They have no clue. And yet for us, it's like, uh, uh, and they're, they're like controlling us and stuff like that. Well, let's take another example that really freaked people out. You're a woman. Someone comes up to you to ask for forgiveness because they've been lusting after you. Freak. Right? That's a freak. Will that freak you out? Like, okay. God bless you. Like, what? What? If that offense is in your head, keep it in your head. Right? Keep it in your head. Confess it to God. Confess it to your counselor. Confess it to your life coach, your mentor, your pastor, your spiritual director, your life group, whatever. But don't go tell that woman. Are you kidding me? That is dumb. Don't do that. This happened to me. Not that I'm a woman. But this happened to me. Right? It's right before I came up to teach. And I'm walking over here. Someone stopped me right there, right outside there. there and, and then they confessed to me that they've been lusting after me. Like, and and, and, and I, I don't know. I was just like, um, okay. Right before I was coming out here. I was, I was like... I was like, you didn't just do that, did you? I had to pinch myself, like, this is this is a dream. Like this doesn't happen. Like this but it happened. I was like, are you kidding me? So the things in your head, they do have to come out. Some of some of you guys are struggling with these different sins and things, and you're just saying, like, oh, it's between me and God, and I'm going to deal with them with God. They have to come out. James chapter 5 verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. But these confessions don't have to come out to the person who's the object of those sins. Right? If it's within yourself and, and you haven't crossed that boundary of, of offending that other person then that has no idea what's going on in your head... Then there are places to confess that sin, and for 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 places that for you to deal with them, right? For you to go to a counselor, for you to go to a life group, for you to go to a spiritual director. There are all these different avenues. Of a pastor, uh, well, I guess I was their pastor. Maybe they were confessing that to me or something. No, no, I can't think about that. Talk it out. Talk it out. I'm not saying to keep it to yourself and keep it in your own head. That's not healthy talk it out. But you have to discern who to talk that out with. You don't receive healing from that sin or your sin in isolation. James tells us to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so that we may be healed. You can't do it alone. You have to find a safe community for you to deal with these types of issues, these issues of anger and envy and lust and covetousness, whatever is inside of you, whatever issues... Going to someone who has no idea that you're angry at them or you're lustful for them or coveting their things or envious of them, that stuff's unnecessary. That stuff's inappropriate. It's freaky. And and what you think may be good, like, oh, I'm going to clear my conscience and I'm going to do this thing. No, that's kind of selfish, right? It's within yourself and then you're putting your burden on somebody else. That's not... It can actually damage the community. It actually hurts relationships. What do you think is going to happen when that girl that you've been lusting over and you told her about it, of what you're thinking and all that stuff, and you guys walk into the sanctuary? What do you think is going to happen? That she's going to be interested in dating you now? Like, you know, like, uh, uh, oh, thank you so much for sharing that you lust after me. Um, when are you free for coffee? Like, wh- Really? That's not going to happen. Right? And, so, and something for, for those who are married or dating. Don't ask your spouse or the person you're dating who they've lusted after. Or who they're angry at. Or who they're jealous of or envious of or covetous of or whatever. That's not a good idea. To attach faces to your, your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. That, that's not a good idea. Those issues are in their heads. Why are you diving through the trash when you got your own heap of trash to deal with? Right? Just don't do that. It's enough to say to your spouse, I struggle with lust. Please pray for me. You don't have to go into all this detail. Right, encourage each other, encourage to get help, encourage to get support, to, to go to a support group, to go to a pastor, a small safe group, or a safe small group. You don't have to go into all those details, though. That's not helpful. What happens when, when you see that person or, or, your, or that, that your spouse lusts after in the body? What happens there? Right? or is angry at, or is envious of, you, you get into this weird place where you, it's hard for you to be in here. And it's just not helpful. It breaks community. It breaks fellowship. It, it actually has a high likelihood of, of hurting the church, of hurting the community. So don't do that. Right? Yes, con- confess, but confess to the appropriate people. And you can apologize to your spouse for doing those things, but you don't have to go into those types of details. That's not helpful. Now, if you have crossed the boundary of yourself and you've sinned against someone, then yes, you confess to them directly. If you've crossed that boundary of like thought and just the things within yourself, then yes, you do that. But be careful of this because I've seen this as well, that asking for, for forgiveness, but you've, you've kind of gone to the other extreme where it's not directly to the other person, but it's in a crowd. You know, don't do that. Go directly to the person that you've offended, and then you deal with the forgiveness thing there. It's kind of like a wedding proposal, right? The wedding proposal. What, what's the other person gonna say? No. Please forgive. You're in a prayer group. Like, oh, I've offended uh, sister or whatever, brother. Can you please forgive me? And you're in a group of people. What are they? What are they supposed to say in front of all those people? They can't even be honest, right? They, what? Are, so, it's actually worse because in a wedding proposal, you probably have like an idea that the person's going to say yes before you ask them. But, but in, in this case, in asking for forgiveness, you're not allowing space for truth to happen, right? You're, you're not allowing for things to be appropriately dealt with to have discussions and things like that because there's this crowd of people. So, in closing, what can we gather from this topic of forgiveness? We're all sinners. Right? And, and it's, it's not possible for us to pay our debt to sin to a holy God. It's only through the gift that he's given us through Jesus Christ that Jesus paid our debt. And all who believe that he paid that debt with his own life are cleared of that debt. So do you believe that? Don't leave this morning without kind of questioning that, having a discussion around that, asking yourself that. And from that forgiveness we have received, we are to do likewise and forgive those who are indebted to us That is, as it is a testimony, a promise to the forgiveness we have received. Jesus paid this unpayable debt for us. And may we forgive the debts of those who owe less to us than we do to God. And unforgiveness is a guarantee to spiritual death. Right? Unforgiveness is going to kill you spiritually. So may, may the one seeking forgiveness and the one giving forgiveness, may, may that be reconciled. May we be reconciled with one another. Freedom to, to forgive and, and, and forgiveness is freedom. Right? Freedom from anger, hate, bitterness, resentment, vengeance. All that stuff that brews inside of, inside of us when that other person doesn't even know that that's happening. Forgiveness is is traveling this life journey with optimism and, and a lightness rather than traveling with this really heavy pack, with this cloud of rain following you wherever you go. Father, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the promise of forgiveness. Lord, I pray for anyone here who is struggling with that. To either seek forgiveness or to give forgiveness. I pray for them, Lord. I pray for their hearts. That they will be able to have the posture and attitude of forgiveness to face you in those things.